Trigger warning. Due to his constrained English vocabulary, Martin often leans on crude language and swearing to make his point. I blame it on his northern heritage and lack of creativity. Matt is also a bit rough. You are here by caution. and we are recording welcome back to another fuck yeah welcome back to another episode that's the term of the friday physical confession podcast and with me today i have finally been able to hit somebody up with high gravity somebody you know well actually a good physio i would say but none other than the spinal expert the back attack that is adam dobson welcome madam hello martin high praise yeah yeah high expectations lubing up the listeners you know (laughs) making them ready to go so adam you're of course english that's what i do i am i yeah only do english ones no i had one american yeah one american on yeah yeah mike's and my wife Yeah, yeah, Andy, Andy Wicks, head on. But anyway, enough about that. Adam, tell us about yourself. Uh, so I am a physiotherapist uh, in in the UK, in England, in the northeast. So very proud, um, smoggy. We would call ourselves, I think, smoggy uh, from smoggy, which <laughs> is uh, high industry. Uh, in the area, oh, that's yeah. why we've so, all got like eleven fingers and and all yeah, that kind of after stuff. the smoke, so, yeah, okay, yeah, <laughs> three eyes and what have you. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I, I'm living Middlesbrough Teesside. Um, I'm a spinal physiotherapist. So I work in triage, uh, helping people with lower back related stuff. So I see a lot of ridiculous syndromes, which is my kind of clinical interest. And then I'm also a lead, uh, the lead for the Back Ooh. to Health program, the lead. I'm a leader the of some sort um, in a, a residential rehabilitation program for people with chronic back pain. So chronic chronic pain, ridiculous syndromes, lower back related stuff, axe bar and everything related to the lower back is, is kind of my gig, Martin. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I've been following you on Twitter for a long time. and Yeah, uh, we're Twitter friends, from, aren't we? Uh, yeah, we are Twitter friends, of course. Collect all my friends on Twitter, not in real life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't have any in real yeah. life. <laughs> but anyway, what I was going to say was that uh, probably most of what I know about backs I've learned from you, especially about oh, you know, uh, spinal issues and stuff like that. And uh, But either way, so you're, you're all mainly working with backs. No other issues, no other things, so I, no simple um, Achilles heels and stuff like that. No, I mean we, I, I assess legs and uh, and I hit reflexes and look at feet. Uh, and I yeah. worked seven years in orthopedics um, before I moved into spines. And I do a little bit of weekend work doing orthopedics, so I see a lot. 
still see a bit of kind of knee replacements. ACLs yeah. have got a bit of an interest in that as well. So, um, so yeah, I do, I do probably work too much, really. Uh, yeah, you do. Right. You do. And I'm, we're never off Twitter as well. We are obsessed with, uh, you know, with uh, having conversations and debates and, yeah. and you know, uh, currently having a debate about sitting, aren't we? Uh, sitting yeah. posture is the <laughs> theme of the day again. Uh, <laughs> so I retweeted one to say this was ridiculous just for another one to just appear <laughs> like like whack-a-moles. Uh, yeah. They just appear, thought, don't they? Yeah. Ne- Sitting will stopped. destroy your back. Martin. Yeah, you're fucked if you sit down. Yeah. And I, I would, I am knackered then because I sit for 10 hours a day. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And I usually sit down with my patients, or I sit. I'll sit somewhere, and they'll do their workouts. Maybe I mean, we should do consultations, like in standing desks. You know, like you, you would both oh, meet you know, your patient above. Yeah, oh, just kind of lent up against a, a, a table went, or something. That went through the Norwegian healthcare system like a fucking plague a couple of years ago. So everybody got an uh, electric standing desk so you could yeah. go up and down. And, you know, it's it's good to, to have some variations, but after a year or so, everybody just end up sitting down anyway. Well, like, sitting's a pretty normal thing to, to do. We've been looking through microscopes and... Yeah, uh, laying in fetal positions uh, yeah. as, uh, f- since the dawn of of humans, so yeah. it's a little bit ridiculous. I'd, I can't really tolerate standing for long periods. I've noticed. Um, <laughs> I, I helped a colleague out uh, do these nerve root in ble- nerve root blocks injections one time. I had to wear like a lead apron, yeah. um, and just like five hours of just standing. And my knees were killing me. My back was killing me. And she was fine. And she's like half my size. <laughs> and I was like, I can't stand it. This this is, uh, so I said, this oh. is not for me. Uh, yeah. So I had to leave it to it. That just goes to show us that the body adapts to what it does, doesn't it? It does, yeah. yeah. Mine but, adapted to just, yeah. Uh, a quick question about sitting, though. Is, is it, Were you into the whole movement of sitting on Pilates balls, Pilates balls? Pilates balls. No, so I, um, when I kind of got into spines, I had a really good mentor. Um, so I was kind of getting interested in spines at a time when I come across, uh, so a chap for, uh, joined the team called Phil, um, and he kind of turned my life around. So I was very much in the view of, well, we do acupuncture, so that must work. And we'd, you were doing ultrasound, so that must work as a junior. And he joined the team, and he became my mentor, and he just turned my life around. And I just okay. become very critical and start to see the world in a in a different way. And then we did our first cognitive functional therapy course together. So I, just as I was about to maybe adopt some of those ridiculous things, I just soon didn't. So I, yeah. I've never really been, other than uh, I used to be an acupuncturist. Can you believe that, man? Uh, for about a year or two. <laughs> uh, everyone got the four gates, two in the hands, two in the feet. Anyway, um, <laughs> apart from that and a little bit of naivete um, early on, I didn't really ever fall into that that way of thinking just because 
I had this great mentor. And I wouldn't be where I was today if it wasn't for, for Phil. Yeah. So shout so, out to Phil. Yeah, Phil. And uh, yeah, so you probably got uh, turned around before even starting to use this stuff. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I graduated in 2010. So arguably, that maybe was slightly out of vogue anyway, arguably. But there were still many knee tucker, uh, chin tuckers and core stabilizers and um, acupuncturists. And, uh, and and I think we had a, um, a suitcase uh, of um, those cupping devices. And you know what? I think I bought them. <laughs> so so there was there was maybe like a year or two there when I, then I when I was, but it didn't yeah. last long. But, no. Yeah, but because it's you know when you first, when you buy into it and you, and you sort of spend up the the idea of having a, a tool that's cool yeah. to use and you know it's it's quite quite endearing, isn't it? Yeah, to just step into that stuff. But uh, fortunately for me, I never learned this stuff in in in, uh, in uni. Needling wasn't a, 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 a part of it. Neither was cupping. We had one guy once come in for two hours showing, you know, shockwave therapy. But yeah, I was, we had I was a guy, so, like a rep, yeah. yeah. And he was like, three sessions, no yeah. pain, guaranteed. Yeah. Uh, oh, and it, he, was, he was showing us with high detail where all the trigger points were in people without pain. And I was like, yeah. this is... This is it, boys. We've made it. <laughs> this, and yeah, then we, this, then we, we didn't this make is it. Peak, peak healthcare. Yes, peak healthcare. Yeah. Oh, chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, besides being a little needle bitch for uh, no shit, we can't say that word, can we? Besides yeah, we being can. a needle, needle bitch. Cunt yeah. For, yeah. Spike, shit, spiky yeah. bitch. Uh, yeah. For maybe a, a year or two. A little spike. A little spike boy for a year and a half. Yeah. You ended up now as uh, <laughs> one of the uh, I would call good guys, the critical guys, the uh, the guys that are pushing us a bit forward. So, but okay. you work in, you work with, uh, yeah, it's high praise. Yeah, You're lubing you up for the next question. It um, is now blushing. Yeah, we talked <laughs> before hit and record. We talked about, <laughs> a, a bit <laughs> about about the making sense of of everything we do and in the meeting with our patients and and the explanations behind why me why why am I hurting can't you answer and everything could you uh, give us a little deep dive into making sense. Mm. So, yes, yeah, so I, I am a big proponent of cognitive functional therapy, Peter O'Sullivan's um, teams, research teams, approach, yeah. storytelling. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he, I mean, he's the man, isn't he? He's, he's, yeah, you know, he is. He was my idol. He still is my idol. Um, yeah. Storytelling, motivational interviewing. So as physiotherapists from that kind of elk, um, we like to see the, the world through Naturally, uh, through a biopsychosocial lens, you know, that early heart attack, the big divorce, the weight gain, the inactivity, we like to see th things in this kind of linear storytelling. When did the problem start? What things may have contributed to it along the way? Similarly, patients often see 
um, the problem through a biomedical lens, don't they? So I fell off a swing <laughs> I uh, mm. when I was six. Um, I played rugby for, for five years um, and then I had a car crash. So that this kind yeah. of equally this linear view of damage, essentially. But it, it's still a kind of making sense approach, isn't it? Um, yeah. So, so you might call these kind of like micro reasons, micro causality. Um, but the thing, the thing I've noticed in the clinic is that it doesn't always fit. So, so we're trying to make the story fit, um, and it, it doesn't always seem that it can fit or that it does fit. If you've had chronic pain for thirty years, uh, for instance, patients don't always agree as well. Like if we're going to suggest that their um, stress or period during the heart attack was relevant, like does the patient actually agree with that sentiment? You know, we can we can say that makes sense, but if your patient doesn't agree with yeah. that sentiment in any way, then largely it, it 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 doesn't really matter in from in in their case. And then you've got patients who are in high degrees of distress, and the whole notion that you're going to become we're going to go through your life story, or they they probably yeah. want you to piss off won't they yeah yeah so, so you're talking so basically what we're talking about now is the the crash between us uh kind of leaning and learning into new territory as the evidence progresses and that meeting with someone that's well a product of us being us 50 years ago yeah 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 so so I, i'm not saying that that a storytelling approach isn't the the right way because I certainly try to emulate that. But but I think that in trying to make things fit in a very linear and exacting way, we're trying to it's a, unintentionally fabricate an existence or a story in a similar way that that we may um, scoff at the story that includes I fell off the swing. Um, I played rugby for for ten years, and I think that uh, like let's a good example would be a flare up. So we might say, have you had a bad night's sleep, or have you was there any stresses in your life? Uh, and they may, in actual fact, have none of those factors going on prior to flaring up to having. So we we may be looking for things to fit when, in actual fact, it may be more reasonable. To, to say that sometimes it doesn't fit or sometimes yeah. there, there is no sense to make on on that micro level. There's a macro side to that, but on a micro level, um, I think clinicians shouldn't have to always stick to that narrative building if it, if it doesn't seem to be working. Yeah. yeah Does that make okay. sense, Matt? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think so. I think I'm following you. Uh, that, where yeah we try we to be aware that we are trying to make our story fit yeah. with the patient or our story and, fit yeah yeah i was like yeah and uh that's a that's a quite a, a, a challenge isn't it when you when you discover that these things don't fit so well together and uh the experience of that happening is not it's not exactly nice, is it? That makes a challenging alliance. Yeah, it can feel like it can take you out the moment a little bit, I think, uh, when you're not just generally listening 
you're trying to in your, in your oh fuck me I scared trans- your cat scared me shit <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh shit okay so Adam has a cat that just jumped behind him yeah and it freaked mm-hmm. me the fuck out yeah making <laughs> so oh, I can't shit. say what you can say yeah, so uh, uh, <clears throat> kind of, uh yeah, <laughs> that was exactly that. I'm uh, I just completely went away. That the devil's uh, so, child. <laughs> so, well, well, yeah, <laughs> this trying to you know a um, uh, square pig in a, a square peg in that, a that is a brilliant uh, way yeah. to put it. Yeah, like you're you're trying to be in the moment. You're trying to listen to someone's story. You know, at the same time, we're trying to triage, aren't we, and look at the the patterns of the pain and all these things. But then there's a kind of a third side of your brain that's trying to very, in the moment, make sense of the bits. Uh, yeah. As we, oh, th- this must be how we can construct this narrative that I'm then going to offer back to you. Um, yeah. And I think that that can sometimes be, um, it can be, Almost like there isn't one, and we're, we're trying to fabricate something. It's a, it's challenging. So it's not yeah. always that there isn't a story there, but but we're we're very strongly trying to create one that it can take you out the moment, can't it? Um, yeah, and and, uh, and, and probably fits problem. within within uh, uh, that that fits within our world image. You know, yeah. I'm quite fond of this. I keep saying it, but I'm quite fond of this. This. Uh, this term called your perception of reality, right? So yeah. we are a product of what we learned, our competence, what we're interested in and trying to make sense of, and as well as the patient what in the other side. And those two worlds can clash and you can clash like within it. yourself. You yeah. know? So that's... Uh, just, it it yeah. may be that you miss other aspects of the story as well as like, you know, we shouldn't be com- completely complacent of those... Uh, biological masqueraders. Yeah, um, that's, and, yeah. I've been a, I've been a, a victim of doing that. You know, ignoring the bigger picture because uh, the symptoms aligned so perfectly. All that. Uh, oh, you had you were ten years. You were off work with stress for five years. Yeah. Oh, let's let's put that in there. So yeah, I'm, exactly. I'm not saying that it's not relevant, but but I think no. uh, we can we can fall into that way of thinking. Um, yeah. at the detriment of just like hearing the patient out, yeah, um, exactly. Oh, fuck. I did, I've, I've done uh, on the, on the episode with Andy Wicks, I told the story about this, uh, this shoulder guy I had, you know, and I it was a clear and cut a rotator cuff tendinopathy, and it turned out to be a blood clot in the lungs because I followed what I knew and didn't listen to the whole picture, the whole story, yeah. and on the other side. Uh, there was a, a lady I followed up that had been, uh, she had a, a, a quite nasty fracture uh, within uh, the hip and uh, she kept complaining about pain and I thought it was about her anxiety, general anxiety, and it turned out that the screws didn't, uh, didn't sit. So yeah. her body was rejecting the, you know, the operation and the screws and the setup. And yeah. uh, so that's, I've fucked up both ways. <laughs> one for ignoring the yeah. big issue at hand and one for just taking one aspect, the yeah. psychosocial aspect and ignoring the bio. 
It, it's easy to see these things in hindsight, though, Martin. Yeah. You know, the, the uh, it seems very obvious when you look back on these things. And yeah. I often think it's useful to if, if things, if the story is, if there's a lot of things going on. Sometimes it's helpful to ask the patient to come back and and yeah. continue the the history, um, yeah. or, or or just just allow a part of that process just to get to know the patient and. Are you able to do that though? You in your yeah. in your role? Are you able to get? Yeah, that? yeah. I mean, we I'd be considering the potential for serious pathology, but if if that yeah. wasn't the case, um, we then we could always consider meeting again. Um, yeah. We we have a lot of patients who don't speak English, um, so we're working through interpreters, or they'll speak uh, minimal English, and there might be a communication issue. So we may decide to meet again with an interpreter or, or we might yeah. just, you know, meet again. Uh, just the, the last thing I wanted to say on this kind of point was, um, so I, I work in chronic pain with a lot of um, young people. So, uh, so just a, a fictional example. Um, so um, one second, let me get my, get my head right. So, yeah, that's not what I was going to say. So, um, so what we know, obviously, as you know, like um, people, young people, it, it is possible for young people to develop pain in in early life. So, um, so patients, let's say, a patient is eighteen, uh, nineteen years of age. Uh, occasionally, patients will say that they've developed pain in even earlier younger life, like in their teens. Let's say they had a normal scan. Um, maybe they've seen several clinicians uh, and we know that early lifehood events can be relevant uh yeah. poverty infrastructure early kind of childhood experiences but they're hardly easy to communicate are they you know you're in pain because you're poor for instance uh yeah. on an on a individual patient and and what we often find particularly like in, in young people that uh like there is no sense to be made sometimes like uh, this can seem very unfair like from a, a macro perspective there often is no sense to make no pattern to find no person to blame uh, no thing to blame they're just very very unfair situations um, so we, we can listen we can acknowledge we can communicate that uncertainty but it, but it might be that on a bigger scale, there is no meaning uh, to that person's pain experience. Uh, and, and patients are often asking very fundamental, deep questions. Why do I have this pain? Um, and uh, and it's it's difficult to answer that as a clinician. Yeah. Martin, uh, yeah. I don't know what your yes. take is. I don't – I'm sick of explaining those those things so it's uh, like we don't have the words do we like the, no the fact we don't that, yeah that's it that's the point really that's just it's a hard <laughs> question to answer especially within within our within our field and within any field there's just a you would so like to have that answer ready wouldn't you well you of course you have pain because because you were a to that kid in school or you know any reason at all you want a reason yeah. Yeah. and that's uh, uh 
it's quite challenging when you can't you can't fit any reasons in to give you no know, when I, I find I um comment to that moment when I don't have any reasons, I don't have any answers. Um I'm quite I, f- I feel like a lousy physio when I get yeah. to that point. Because yeah all I'm thinking is I'm supposed to know this. Yeah. I'm supposed to be able to answer this or find out in any other way, but sometimes you really can't. You just And you feel that in yourself, don't you? You feel yeah. that kind of inadequacy uh inside yourself um like you know i can have i can feel real feelings for for people and and uh, the injustice of it it all and and empathize why they would want to know like why do i have this problem you know all my friends are able to go and exercise and um, and party and enjoy their young lives yeah. um, while this individual um, is can't and, and their pain takes over every time they try to be active. Yeah. Um, there's one case where a patient, a very young patient, also had type 2 diabetes as well um, and there seemingly was no reason. Like it, I can only assume it's genetic. Um, but they're, they're a young person. Okay, I think we lost it. But yeah. We lost you for a minute there, Adam. Oh, am I back? Yeah. Yeah, well, now you're back. I, where, where did uh, I get to? The last thing I heard you say was uh, that you were going to get naked. Yeah. No. Yeah. Oh, no. Okay. I'll bad joke. Bad joke. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No. It was the uh, young uh, young person with a uh, type two diabetes and no reason for it. Yeah. Yeah. So so it's it's it, even more unfair. Um, yeah. In in those cases when they've got patients have more than one thing to deal with, but but I I I honestly think that the answer is is that we just be there and we listen and we offer opportunity to work on it nonetheless. But uh, but yeah, it would be it, you feel like there's something that you should be able to communicate, but you can't. Yeah. So I'm in a, a, a privileged kind of role there because you know as in private practice uh, uh, I can. Uh, you know, I can work with, I can always say, listen, I don't know where I can help you on the journey to try to find out and be a, a communicator between you and other healthcare professionals. But we could start to work with it. We can do the things that are healthy for you and see where we get at. But no, but not every physio can do that. Not every physio is that in that position to, to be able to work on it long term. Yeah, and especially you, that's in a triage, triage, triage role. Well, yeah, so a triage role, but we have a fantastic um, rehabilitation team that we can include that I would refer into, mm. or, or indeed to myself on the Back to Health program, which is the yeah. residential program. Exactly. Yeah, but uh, yeah, but we can't. We these are just options for people to take up. Uh, some yeah. people may still not have the appetite still might not want to buy what you're selling yeah exactly all right okay so this turned quite dark for this type of podcast so (laughs) 
yeah, yeah, yeah. It does, so, yeah. But let's talk I'm about. I'm a dark uh, guy. I'm, uh, yeah. so, um, well, let's talk about I'm something deep. you you quite is quite open on 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 Twitter about is the how certain can we be? You know, how uncertain are we really when diagnosing? Let's say back pain and yeah. and stuff like that. So uh, uh, I probably am not that certain uh, much of the time, to be honest, Martin. I, I'm, I'm, I'm certain enough ruling out serious pathology or at least running permutation through my mind. Uh, so yeah. kind of, uh, so I'll take the patient's records and say, you know, for their age, what could this be? And I'll, I'll run those you know, so I'm not at least missing something from a triage perspective. Yeah. Uh, so I can be fairly comfortable from a probabilistic p- perspective there with my decision making. But but certainly when it comes to chronic low back pain, non-specific low back pain, which I'm pretty comfortable to use with with clinicians. So we'd occasionally have patients. So there's one one story where the patient in where um, no radicular syndromes, no leg no leg involvement, no neurology, back pain, no no trauma, uh, no kind of sign of serious pathology, no indication for imaging, but the patient is is adamant that she have imaging. And I took a strong line and imaging's not indicated. And, and if you want something enough, you'll find it somewhere else. So in this case, uh, uh, the patient went to the GP and the GP did the scan. Now, very occasionally, um, there'll be things on scans that that probably don't fit with the presentation. So one example where there's a high-grade nerve compression um, now uh, and sequestration, which is, I think, only 2% uh, yeah, of cases. Like that. Will, will that be the case? Um, but... And that's kind of like shocking, really. It's shocking to like to have that information then come back to you as though you've made a mistake or you, you've you've not examined someone properly or you've made the wrong decision. But but in hindsight, it probably wouldn't change the management. So uh, it probably wouldn't have changed my mind in terms of imaging that person. But but if we could be confident that that isn't causing her back pain. I'm not so sure that we could. Yeah. Uh, surgeon who, who would decompress that. Um, but if you look at our current management and, and our kind of strong views on when we should and shouldn't scan, um, or, or indeed that we say this person does not have it, you do not have a damaged back, Martin. Um, I'm very confident of this. Um, you know, I, she probably does have a damaged back uh, in in that case, but uh, um, and it just it just makes gives you pause for thought, I guess. Yeah, it certainly does. But uh, but it's that that must be a, a rare occasion, though. That it it is rare. With, it, yeah, no it is rare. no signs and no symptoms at all, and you get this back. And uh, but what what. What do you do in that situation, right? So there's no signs, there's no symptoms. There's pain, but there's no symptoms of, of uh, let's say, uh, functional damage to the, to the nerves, right? Yeah. You can't you can't measure it without. And uh, uh, 
patient came back and you know threw, threw it at you what what the fuck do you do in that situation how did you handle that one well to some degree you have to eat your your humble pie don't you yeah. <laughs> uh because like from a very narrow perspective that they the person has got a significant finding on their scan um, yeah. and it and it, i mean the 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 annulus does have an innovation um the the the, the dural sleeve does have an innovation um so it there it's a plausible that that there could be some uh, peripheral sensitization there but yeah. arguably it, you could i suppose that's where the kind of like straight leg raise where you you differentiate the ankle to see if you can bring the back pain on but to be honest i don't find that test particularly useful um, no. and and most backs if you lay them on a couch uh, will say that hurts their back so if you're lifting yeah. their leg up you, you know it's going to bring on their back pain so i'm not so sure that i would uh I, I'm not sure if it came along again that I would do anything different, Martin, if, if I'm honest. Yeah. But, but I think I would probably say that based on the information that we have, um, yeah. th this was the right thing to do and and and, and kind of say that there is no um, treatment options that fall out of this because, you know, your nerves are working okay, your reflexes are okay, your power's normal. Um, yeah. And... Uh, so, and and I just have to communicate that kind of uncertainty and and uh, and give that person options. Now, at that point, I'd be more than comfortable to sit someone with a surgeon, uh, uh, so they could have a discussion. But yeah. I, I would may I would write a very uh, nuanced and detailed letter uh, to kind of explain the situation and my thoughts, and, and they value our thoughts, to be honest. So. Um, yeah. but, but but ultimately it would be the surgeon's decision, wouldn't it? But I would make that clear to the patient and I would, you know, discuss, reiterate the reasoning um, if the patient was willing um, to for why we didn't do that in the first place and, and yeah. the limitations of medical science. But they aren't going to, like your guy with your issue with the 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 lung issue, it may be that yeah. the symptoms were were very real, in the sense that they were pointing towards one particular thing. Yeah, exactly. But as when you're talking, I'm thinking about, you know, we have, we only see, we only hear what we can. And and we need also to, to create, a, a, you know, a healthcare system can't be, can't be uh, designed cats, unicorns. Mm when there is mostly horses or cows or whatever yeah. whatever metaphor you quite using and that's kind kind of uh what we do because we hear all the negatives we use you know in the, in, in the papers or something like that there's always something we've missed right? yeah. it's never the things we've done right and uh so a problem like this is it's quite like a, a unicorn and as you said you you can't in hindsight, I've done anything different because because you only get what you get and see what you mm. see, right? Yeah. So that's uh, of course we would want to you know be able to hit those unicorns every day of the week, 
as well, but we we just can't. Well, unlimited funds, maybe. You're mm -hmm. one patient today, and the CT scan, the MRI, the X-rays, everything already. The neuro guy is standing there, ready to put walls against your through your nerves to see if the conduction is <laughs> is good. You know, but that's not yeah. that's not the case, is it? No. So I think that you open up a another can of worms with all the downstream consequences of inappropriate imaging and um, yeah. and we know that imaging early leads to worse outcomes we know that it leads to increased use of uh, medications and uh, higher likelihood of surgery so um, and we know that patients are, are frustrated with uh, that we don't fix them once we've had the scan so that there is potential worse scenario if we if we did that where we said well let's try and find all the unicorns and and just scan everyone but uh which i think is it's probably uh you know you see it on twitter a lot where people kind of talk about those special cases don't you look at this yeah. weird and wonderful thing that i yeah the fucking case studies i hate case yeah. studies always makes me mad and feel stupid and you that's know, just because you're scanning everyone, yeah. isn't it? It's, it's maybe, but it's maybe. also the point that, that we always talking about social media and, and Twitter, Twitter in particular. There's always this. Oh, look what I found! This yeah. guy came in with a, a tingling in his little finger, and it uh, turned out to be a, a tumor cyst in his asshole. You know, it's just. <laughs> I think it scares yeah. clinicians, doesn't it? Particularly young yeah. clinicians. Uh, I think it's scary. Like they, I think it pushes them towards defensive medicine, and it and it yeah. makes them um, worried about uh, these. Th these are very unique and uh, less than common cases. Um, yeah. But uh, so we 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 need to be responsible when we're reporting these things, and uh, and maybe kind of talk about all the times when we didn't do those things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is what I mainly talk about. <laughs> Why I don't do things. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, yeah. Don't get me wrong, Martin. I've, I've, you know, come across a lot of serious pathology. Uh, yeah. But uh, I, I, I don't tend to um, discuss that in an open forum. No, in 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 yeah, a very yeah. particular way, images, etc. But anyway, yeah. well, you tease your. The, I was asking you. I probably. I was thinking about asking you what was the most serious stuff you ever discovered. But you know, if you want to talk about it, be a tease then. Uh, well, it's it's uh, generally speaking, working in in, in triage, um, metastatic. Uh, yeah. Uh, bone cancer, uh, probably. I wouldn't say it's common. It's not common. Um, no. But in, in terms of serious level, you know, like prostate-related. So I'm a, um, an advocate of um, prostate charities. And, and, uh, I'm, I'm, <laughs> Shit, that sounds so wrong. You're an advocate of <laughs> prostate massage. Uh, <laughs> it's a great gland. It's a fantastic gland. Well, oh, well, Everybody should check their prostate every day. I'm setting up my clinic at home. Okay, so, so it's a Friday, Friday evening, uh, and I'm drinking beer. But well, 
Oh God, yeah, <laughs> but but uh, yeah, so that, that we 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 see we see some of that. I think I've only maybe seen one or two cases of infection. Uh, yeah, very interesting. Um, but I've worked in this job for five years and only seen a, a, a small smattering of cases. Yeah. Um, exactly. And we need to remember that th these cases are rare. You know, yeah. th that's one of my problems with uh, these case studies being being pushed or uh, uh, case, not studies, but case situation being pushed on social media because it gives the impression that this is this is common and everybody should be aware of it. But in fact, that's just... That's a, a success story from one therapist or, or clinician really I'd, digging into something. I, th I think uh, this might be an unpopular thing to say, but I think it's it, there's a similar kind of uh, issue with cordial equina syndrome. So we've got some fantastic guidelines that have, have just come out in England, and you should all look at those. But I think with the increased spotlight on the problem it's it's of extremely rare problem yeah. um and i very very rarely encounter it and if anyone's yeah. going to encounter martin it would be me wouldn't it yeah exactly um but and we screen for it we write but we do not see that much of it um and we um but but i think there's such a big spotlight on it people are really worried about it aren't they they're really afraid uh they're maybe referring people uh yeah. early uh i think the guidelines will go somewhere in 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 kind of articulating the best way to to go about it but i think that the more the more exposure you have on a problem and issues around litigation it, it kind of leads to potential over medicalization and defensive yeah. thinking which yeah. is an, an issue in itself. And talking in line with that, uh, in Kodakwana itself, isn't it just like uh, from everyone you suspect has Kodakwana and you send on, isn't it like 10% or less than that that actually has Kodakwana? And then that's when you got the the, the uh, uh, justified suspicion of having it. Yeah, I, I think if there is regional suspicion um you need you move them on you follow your policies yeah of course um, yeah but but yeah the vast majority of those people will not have cardroquina that exactly. we we get a lot of referrals from any um yeah. of of which were scanned for suspected cardroquina and the vast majority of people never had cardroquina yeah. but you could argue that the people who did didn't come through to us so so yeah you know, from that that angle, but there's certainly a big group of people who who referred from any who yeah. were suspected. But he reminds me that quadriquina may be the MSK Rick, uh, equivalent of breast cancer because you scan every breast, at least in Norway, when you reach a certain age, and every every tumor or every thing that is a suspicion of being a uh, malign. Uh, 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 evil tumor because I couldn't say the word other word. Yeah. Uh, uh, and and well, when the, the numbers are up, you we're actually removing like eight out of ten tumors are benign, but we're removing breasts just to be hitting that, to be safe. 
Yeah, I, I think that that's like that. So that's a screening program, isn't it? And obviously, yeah. don't do that with Carter Aquina. But but certainly, like an equivalent might be, um, they there were some studies looking into screening for prostate cancer in men over over a certain age. Um, yeah. But your the, favorite topic, my favorite topic. But the yeah. the the current the current approach or the historical approach is to take biopsies. Um, and so they do the PSA test, and if they've got suspicion, they'll do a biopsy. But the biopsy is very, very painful and very, very invasive. Um, and what they were finding is that that wasn't leading to um, kind of better outcomes uh, in, yeah. in people with suspected prostate cancer. But there seems to be a bit of a, a stepwise change where there's there's this new MRI scan scanners um that uh specialized mri scan for prostates that can replace that side of screening so it might be in the future that there is a screening program but it please, includes and please tell me that that special mri scan includes a renal probe just just please <laughs> just i, I can't promise you that there maybe maybe star trek style yeah but yeah. either way you're teaching our listeners way too much now so uh let's talk about because you work as you said in the beginning with a lot about long long-standing long-term conditions right what are the biggest issues the biggest challenges you see within yeah. these kinds of yeah yes so it's probably one of the biggest or the biggest cohort of people that we see martin is is people with chronic back pain years, decades of chronic back pain, pain-related disability, comorbidities, several equivocal scans. Oh, cat's jumping up. Yeah. Um, Fucking scary cat. <laughs> uh, different accounts for the problems, um, no surgical indications. Um, and we know that uh, physiotherapy is modest at best, isn't it, when you look at the evidence? Yeah. And I think in these cases, uh, we need to be clear that these are long-term conditions. Um, people are very, um, they find it, they shy away from it, seeing it as that, don't they? I, I don't see these as any different to any other long-term condition that we are looking to manage diabetes, heart disease, lung disease, certain types of cancers. Yeah. These are long-term conditions where we need to make sure that the expectations are in place. And sometimes that means we have some awkward conversations. And sometimes it means yeah. that we people um, they're disappointed uh, in in our account, Martin. I think we need to advocate a very mature discussion with patients, and it doesn't always happen. I often yeah. say we are professional letter downerers, um, <laughs> and that's yeah. uh, the so there. That's my yeah. take. Yeah, that's good. That's a really good point, actually, because as we're still, you know, we, we're talking about biopsychosocial lens, we're talking about taking into account everything we can within our, our life and, and, and reality within long-standing back pain. But the term of thinking about it as managing a condition not unlike diabetes and everything it's, it's quite a good point because i experienced that even though many are back back dudes and back ladies are, 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 are physios are, are they're still trying to solve 
Yeah. The problem, you know, let's get this into place. Let's get that into place. And, and let's talk about this. Let's talk about that. Let's manage this. Let's do this. There is, there is still the overflow of we're going to solve this. Yeah. And rather than just let's manage. And I, so, yeah, good point. I think we can still, you know, we don't have to lose our humanity, our compassion. We can still listen to patients and trouble uh, shoot and collaborate. And, and I think that there's still a lot of room for improving quality of life function, reducing pain. But when we start from a position of, like, let's be honest um, and let's have a discussion as a long-term condition. And I would use those words. I would say, look, this is a long-term condition. Uh, yeah. And I would use that as my kind of towards the end of my session often, my kind of opening line. And I've become very comfortable with that, Martin. Like I wasn't comfortable with that. I found it very awkward actually when I first yeah. got into this job because we want to solve a problem and we want to meet people's expectations. And we, we, uh, but, but the more you do this, just kind of like the shackles come off. And I think it's 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 consistent with the evidence. Yeah, because it is. <laughs> it's a fucking the, the cat. The cat is jumping all over my my posh <laughs> light that I've got above your head. Look at this light here. Oh, 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 oh you got yeah. Halo. I haven't, got, I haven't got that one. So what Adam just showed me was uh, what we call the makeup light. Yeah, you know, I've got my mascara on. Influencers and uh, yes, filmmakers. Yeah, very nice, very nice. Right, so okay, what the fuck were we? What were we talking about? So we're talking about long-term conditions being a, a an acceptable term. Yeah, we did. Yeah. We did. Jesus Christ, this is becoming a real serious podcast, Adam. It has, yeah. But yeah. well, I hope so. I hope that some slightly interesting things. Yeah, I think I think you're learning them stuff. But we, as you know, on this podcast, we take that uh, if you learn something, that's a, a negative review. <laughs> but we did talk about prostate massage and anal probing. Yeah, so we did. So I think we're balancing yeah. it out, really. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. Now, <laughs> okay. So, but but what I found. Uh, that I learned most from you, Adam, is that uh, patients with ridiculous symptoms yeah. and ridiculous pain, and uh, you know, the soul. You know that is actually just a couple of years ago that I really started to to know the difference between ridiculous pain and radiculopathy. Mm. So, could you dumb it down for us? Yeah. A bit? So, ridiculous pain is pain thought to arise in a simple way from uh, a nerve root where uh, so we can be talking about i usually talk about lumbar nerve roots so the the nerve roots that emerge from the the lumbar spine so uh painful experience usually felt in the leg uh, yeah. so uh, it can be neuropathic um, or it can be somatic uh, often a combination of the two um, so neuropathic pains is that it's that burning, it's that shooting pain, um, it's that combination of um, lancinating um, ectopic discharges where pain just comes from nowhere, um, and uh, that's the kind of more conventional kind of 
true nerve pain. Uh, and then the somat the nerve is has got a coating. It's got a um, so you can also have somatic elements. But importantly, it's to it's still a part of the nerve root structure. So yeah. that kind of dull pain, aching pain, diffuse pain felt in the leg. But importantly, um, radicular pain almost exclusively is leg pain. Radiculopathy isn't a painful um, disorder at all. Radiculopathy refers to a loss of neural function. So yeah. the standard uh, reflexes, power loss, sensation yeah. loss, um, those things would be uh, included within radiculopathy. But then you yeah. have all of these additional things. Yeah, you know, water, yeah, yeah just too all much of them. for me. Yeah, so the difference is my, my, leg, my leg hurts <gasps> or my dick go, Le- goes limp. Yes, that's the difference. That's, yeah, I have a, a, a quite a, a, a metaphor I used for the you call it the ectoplastic, ecto, uh, ectopic, ectopic pain. You know the pain impulses that comes out of nowhere, and I, I find that you know when pa- patients represent with that, and I find that just saying, well, basically you're. Your nerves and your your system has ticks, mm. so it gets excited with no reason and just releases out. And yeah. that I've found that selling it like that is people yeah, go, oh yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, okay, sure, yeah, yeah it makes sense. So that's that uh, works, yeah, 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 ticks, yeah. Well, well, the nerve is the nerve is on high alert. It's sensitive and it's doing some crazy things yeah some things like the person in the store yeah just out nowhere yeah exactly so that's a good thing so okay so that's the difference between uh what not well you know what i'm gonna ask what's the um when a patient comes in and represents what you, you got a uh, ridiculous pain uh, there's a, a nerve being irritated or squashed or pushed or stretched or whatever. What's the uh, what's the timeline you're working with? Yeah, so the the kind of best evidence we have uh, probably comes from the Scopic trial, um, which will be the biggest trial of its type in the UK. Uh, and what they found is that uh, in both groups in that particular study, uh, there was about fifty percent. Uh, resolution by 12 weeks um, and then at a year it was 75% yeah uh, so about 25% still have pain over a year with a new episode yeah and how about how about surgery though and big if if you say say if you have radiculopathy your functions are, are being uh, fucked about what's the surgery no surgery when do you when do you know when to have surgery Mm, good question. Um, wait times probably <laughs> have a, yeah. a big say on that, really, <laughs> in reality. Yeah. But we don't talk about them. We talk about yeah. the hypotheticals, don't we? So, yeah, uh, yeah so um, so we know that having early surgery uh, leads to earlier recovery than delayed sur- surgery. Yeah. So, um, so any time under six months, I believe, um, is is optimal that than having surgery after six months but what we know with a new episode um at 12 months there is no difference 
So, so if you compare that to that kind of the scopic trial where they looked at all treatments, whatever you had done, um, they were shown that that for most people, your outcome is your outcome. So by the end, by 12 months, there's, there's no real difference. So the question is, are we trying to reduce suffering? Um, but then we need to come tally that against some prognostic factors, things that might indicate how well they'll do, but also the risks, the real risks of doing surgery. So the current approach that the NHS uses and the evidence-based approach is a stepped approach where you'll you'll consider variables like time frame, like um, comorbidities, level of suffering, uh, confidence uh, in your diagnosis, the patient preference. You'll consider those variables and plug them in to that stepped approach, yeah. and and then and then reason through uh, an outcome that worked for that patient. Yeah, does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> different kind of system i think that uh, in norway there's uh quite a a, a a bit a shorter way for a surgery if mm. i think that when the patient is first is firstly referred from the gp or physio or from the physio to the gp and so so on uh the step to surgery is quite short and i uh, i had this neighbor that had ridiculopathy uh, and she, she was really struggling with it and and she was doing everything that we know can is healthy for her and i at one point just said you need to i think it was within this six months i think it was five or six months uh, you need to you know con talk with your gp and consider you know talking with a, a surgeon yeah a surgeon yeah. And I, I kept, and she was like, no, 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 I'm going to work this one out. I'm going to train like hell. It's going away. But she, it's quite heavy symptoms as well. So like, but yeah. yeah, you could do that, but have this discussion, right? And uh, she ended up having surgery but after uh, almost a year and a half. Mm. So that's... Uh, yeah, the 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 very the, there's no kind of no right answer. It's very difficult yeah. decisions to make. Uh, I think there are some prognostically there are some factors that may be arguably protective. So if you've got if the pains, if you meet a patient under eight weeks, um, it seems to be good. If the patient is got good coping strategies and good. Yeah. Uh, self-efficacy like your patient that seems to be good interestingly early reflex loss slash power loss early on seems yeah. to be actually prognostically good because it means that you've had a an acute disc injury yeah a definite injury that then has the potential a real potential to uh be reabsorbed um, yeah, it's it's the, uh, along the line that, that we see that the bigger the herniation, the secretions, yeah. the the more the, the resolution. Yeah. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. So so those things early on might might make us think, yeah, we we want to just ride this out and help the patient yeah. cope, look at medicines, and is uh, is that because you get a, a, a bigger of influx, you get a bigger of uh, irritation within the immune system, so you get a bigger yeah. response early on yeah. too. That's, that's the that's it. Yeah, yeah that's, that's the thinking. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The white blood cells uh, have a yeah, bigger response. White blood blood cells come along, gobble up that that foreign body, and 
uh, and it heals because I would say yeah. that as an injury. Um, and I had, I had once had a patient, a jujitsu guy, um, and he fell on his back um, and and developed very quick onset painful radiculopathy. So he had he had a foot drop and pain in his leg, and it was really quite serious. Did imaging, two level compression. So he'd, he'd had to sequestrate it up and compress the level uh, above. Um, and um, so we got the imaging done and uh, we saw him again. And when we saw him again, his com- symptoms had completely gone. Yeah. Foot had completely returned to normal. Symptoms had completely gone. So that's that was like a true injury, but it, that was basically the epitome of that example that you just yeah. give their mind. Uh, the other side of it is, we know that there is some. Uh, there was a study recently, I think Williams or Willems, showing that patients who've had previous surgery, previous injections, high degree of opioids, uh, I would probably say like high comorbidities, long-term symptoms. These patients progno- probably do less well with yeah. surgery. So you just need to have those conversations with your yeah. patients when you, you're kind of looking at your options. Yeah, so it's like uh, basically the more stuff that's into play, the less yeah. likely a surgery is the solution. Yeah, bear in mind your three P's though. I talk about the three P's, Don and Martin, yeah. uh, a lot. You know about my three P's, don't you? Yeah, penis. I don't mean podcast, my prostate, my yeah. penis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't want people yeah. seeing this side of me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, yeah, so there's red lines. There's there's th- certain things, um, profound muscle loss. So like th- anything under three on a power score, if it's progressively becoming weaker, we're talking about weakness here, yeah. um, or if there is poly root. So uh, if you suspect more than one level. Uh, okay, so three Ps are profound uh, loss of function. Yeah. Uh, progressively power loss yeah and and polyroot uh, polyroot more than one level yeah. effect and it, i have occasionally seen that actually yeah yeah and that just make me sit up yeah <laughs> when i when i think it's definitely a neurological deficit i'm like whoa this is a a strange one yeah. Yeah. that you know when you when your gp get this strange look on her face just going it will be okay don't worry we'll find this out you know, yeah, that's that's the kind of setup straight. Yeah, we but, need to get you moved on. We get you moved yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. Don't you worry, we'll fix this. <laughs> and uh yeah. Okay, so uh fuck it. This has been a learning episode, actually. I hope so. Yeah, yeah. I have I've enjoyed it, yeah. Yeah. There's good. there's one other thing we we, we kind of talked before, didn't we, about this the, the kind of topic being around honesty. Didn't yeah. we, or, or kind of honest, tricky situations in the in the clinic? Yeah. Um, but the last thing I wanted to just say, just so my OCD, uh, yeah. I had another thing to maybe talk about was was um, I mean, physiotherapists have this strange instinct to want to treat everything, don't they? Yeah. Uh, the the you know, we'll have a bias. So I'm from a traditional outpatient setting. Patient with shoulder pain comes in. 
I'd be like, right, we've got to we've got to be doing twelve yeah. to sixteen weeks of yeah. progressive grinding, loading yeah. of your shoulder, and yeah. uh, and I'm like, and the patient's like, uh, oh yes, okay, what we'll do this, yes, and I'll go right, we'll see you in two weeks, and there'll be this like un- uncomfortable kind of thing between us where I can sense that they don't really want to do it uh, or, or they're not so sure on it and and, and we're just playing the game and we're going along yeah. with it um, and that's a common thing isn't it and since I've worked in triage uh, my kind of whole view of that has changed really uh, more open more honest looking at your options looking at the risks uh, I don't have like a, a strong feeling uh, no. unless there are risks involved Um for if you do physiotherapy or not it's just an option so uh, so i'm kind of more this is a contract these are options this is the risks and benefits and you can walk away you don't have to do any of these things so now when i work at the weekend i'll uh, i'll i'll give the patient an option to do nothing yeah same same and that's uh, has been a quite a a journey just coming coming to that point got now i always I usually say, like, you know, I'm in private practice, so I'll happily take your money for 12 to 16 weeks, no problem. But you have the option to just do fuck all about this, and maybe yeah. time will solve it. It'll probably solve yeah. it for you. So yeah. if you're happy with that, or more happy with that option, or doing something with it, yeah, go for it. And the funny thing is that I've actually just got a couple of, of people saying, I'll I'll see how it goes. I just yeah. want want to do or since if you, it's okay. I'll just crack on. But mostly people say, well, could we just start working on it? I'll do yeah. that recommendation you you have. But that option to do absolutely zero is people need that because it is an option. Yeah, in it a is. democratic society. Yeah. But, but also, I think that uh, we we can't. The our evidence base is modest at best, isn't it? So we, yeah. I don't think we we should oversell what we can do or what we do do. And with the oh. invent of social media and and I, yeah. I can get you back better in two sessions. And, yeah, and God knows we oversell before. Yeah, you know, we did. We're doing we more of it now. To, yeah, we promised it too much, and and, and yeah, it's, it's still happening out. There. Like, I sleep just... better that way. I mean, it's very easy yeah. working. It. I can. I'm very privileged working in the NHS that, uh, and I can appreciate that you know working privately. There might be a, a financial element to that, but yeah. uh, but I sleep better knowing that I, I've been honest. Um, yeah, with that. Yeah, yeah. That, I'm I'm the same as well. I always prefer to be to be honest when I can. No doubt. Well, okay. So it's been an hour. We learned tons, and that's another uh, negative review incoming. I bet for some <laughs> of our regular listeners. But and I'm almost sorry to put you on the spot on this, uh, Adam. But do you, this since this is the Friday Physio Confession podcast. Do you have one fuck up to share? Oh, I have one. two. I have two. You have two even better. I have two, yeah. Uh, one is a cringy one, and one is a slightly rude one. Uh, oh, just for yeah, your benefit. Perfect. Uh, so I once told a, a rock climber with a six-pack 
that is inequality. So, shit. Uh, <laughs> okay, so, so shit, we lost you. You have to tell it again. No. Oh, no. I, I went closer to the screen and everything. Like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I once with told a, six a rock pack, climber yeah. that, that, is, that his inner core was too weak. <laughs> uh, and he could do one-arm pull-ups. And it was just this cringe thing that happened uh, early in my career. And I just cringe at the the the, the memory yeah. of such a, a ridiculous uh your outer core it's strong but it's 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 too strong for the inner core yeah. um this guy had veins on veins but uh, which is is quite it could be useful when you're off the or sphinx that is uh, more powerful than the inner sphinx that that could save you from an awkward bus ride but you know core wise <laughs> not that <laughs> yeah so <laughs> you know you know it's like as you're saying it I knew it was ridiculous, <laughs> but I was like, I was just like trained to say it. Yeah. I thought that's what I had to say. So I was saying it, but a part of me was going, are you for real, Adam? You were, <laughs> you idiot. Um, but that was, I remember that the, the, the night or the weekend after that, I remember being in the bath and listening to that, um, core stability podcast with, uh, Ben Smith. Uh, on the physio mat and that was another one of my so I remember I said that to a guy and then I listened to that episode and I was like oh, <laughs> oh need to change <laughs> so oh, yeah he was yeah. he wasn't strong enough yeah. he, his six pack was not strong enough man your 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 vertebrae are barely keeping up they're just they're very, hanging very off of weak, life very yeah. weak trunk yeah for sure okay next one Adam Come on. So the um, so one time so I work in orthopedics and I used to work in orthopedics and you'd have a shoulder operation and put a sling on their arm. So I once asked a patient when I was applying a sling to their arm um, if they'd like if they'd like the strap on. Uh, and I said and I made a, a fine point of the word the strap on. Uh, <laughs> And uh, and we just both stopped, and uh, no words were said <laughs> as we both just thought about what what the words I just used. Oh, uh, yeah, uh, and then we had a little laugh afterwards. Yeah. After I was like, I've just said the word, the strap on. Do you would you like the strap on? That um, would be perfectly if the, if the patient got really confused and just answered honestly. Well, uh, it happened once. <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. It was okay. But it was like this: <laughs> do you want this strap on? So it was like, does the strap? Do you want it on? So it was, it was uh, the correct words to use, but it was just an unfortunate uh, three letters to use. Yeah. But uh, I love those situations where, where language and, and the words you are choosing just creates this, you know, this silence, and you looking, yeah. looking at each other, and you know what both of your minds are thinking. And uh, I used this, uh, uh, had a, a group session once. And we were talking about, you know, uh, feeling the body, getting to know, you know, the difference between focusing on pain and disability and just, I can feel all the things. And I had some rolling sticks under our feet. And I said, okay, so uh, put your, your stick on the ground and just touch it and let it stimulate you 
Okay. But but the Norwegian fuck that's a bad story because the Norwegian word is 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 uh is also a slang for penis. Okay. So we'll basically ask them to let the penis stimulate them. Okay. So that uh yeah. <laughs> Sounds very literal that, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it does. Yeah. yeah. It's not much yeah. of an innuendo, more of a just a literal yeah. thing. So. Yeah, actually. That's uh, uh, there was there was another example that just come into mind. Uh um where I'd asked a patient to, if you step into the side room, um, pop your trousers off and pop yourself on the on the couch, um, and uh, I'll be through in in just a second. Um, and I came through, and there was stood on the couch with no trousers on, and you can imagine like the level, <laughs> my eye level. <laughs> And I was like, I, I meant lay down, yeah. but uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's was, a cock, yeah, yeah, oh, that's a cock, yeah. Yeah. yes, there, yeah, there. there it is, so, very nice, yeah. sir. <laughs> Would you now proceed to laying down? Uh, a, oh yeah, <laughs> oh, shit. But, but that's a, this. You've got to think that it's a, quite an awkward situation for the patients being. They're, they're stressed. They're being, you know, and we know that. When we're stressed, we just th- take things yeah. literal, and we get nervous, yeah. and we and we do this kind of stupid shit. And uh, oh, for fuck's sake, how many times I've called the uh, the patient uh, transportation system in Norway, and it was like, yeah, yeah, uh, what's the uh, birth number, you know, the birth date, and everything? And I've given them my own, <laughs> <laughs> your own number. You're all yeah. birthday. It's like, yeah. yeah, it's just Maureen Christensen lives uh, there and there. I was like, yeah, 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 I live there and there. Okay. Yeah. Under pressure. Yeah. Under pressure. I hate, I hate phone calls. I really hate phone calls. So that's another well, just human. Just human to yeah. me that uh, it can human. be forgiven. But anyway, this has been a great chat. I've been taught many things. Some of them which I knew before. Some of them I'm, I'm more certain about now. And uh, I'm sorry to all the listeners out there that I had to learn something on this episode but we had the great adam dobson on so couldn't let it go to waste the knowledge the competence and uh so yeah quite happy you said yes please and we should you know matt was supposed to be here for this Mm -hmm. and we were supposed to have a little threesome of our own, but <laughs> as all threesome goes, there's uh, quite oh, it's a disappointment. Any, yeah, or, yeah, yeah. People are energetic talking about it when it comes down to do business. That was one who gets yeah. gets disappointed, gets left yeah. out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Left, either left out or chickens out, yeah. and that's mm-hmm. has chickened out yet again. And he's playing football, trying to be healthy. Sucker! How dare he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I hope he. No, I don't hope he breaks his legs, but. Uh, <laughs> maybe, uh, <laughs> A little twisted yeah. ankle or something, you know. Just yeah, stubs his little finger yeah. or something. Like, yeah, maybe, the maybe, ball uh, hits him on his little finger or something. Maybe a, a, a little uh, fracture of the little toe or something, you know, something that's yeah. quite, quite annoying, but you just but take we'll it off and right, crack on. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be nice. But yeah, hopefully <laughs> he hasn't had that now. <laughs> you, know, like, you know what? When you say it's like he's hand strapped up on one, of them, it's like what's going on there? Well, yeah. you'll never guess. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, that would be good. But again, thanks, Adam, for doing this. That's all right. It's a pleasure coming on and and sharing of your knowledge and competence and 
I love oh, it. We, we'll do it again. Yeah, we'll do it again. Now, good luck with the show. It's uh, refreshing. It's a amazing little show, Martin. I think it's very uh, human um, and yeah, very thanks. thought-provoking and very clever and very unique. Yeah. And you're, you're a good guy. Yeah. I like to think so. My I know a little bit of you, obviously. We chat. Yeah. A little yeah, bit, don't we? Do. You're a good yeah. guy. You know all my bad sides, probably. I do, yeah. What yeah. and all. <laughs> but, yeah. But we try. We try. There's so so much of... There's so many good podcasts out there. And so our slogan is, you don't come here to learn, just to be entertained. <laughs> That's good. Well, you and you properly fucked that up now, Adam. So, uh, oh, well. Yeah. There you go. But <laughs> thanks again for coming and... Uh, this has been yet another episode of the Friday Physio Confession with me and my guest, Adam Dobson. And uh, take care, yeah? Uh, thank you very much. Goodbye. Bye-bye.